You're listening to Gridiron Guys, the Central Michigan Life Sports Desk podcast on the CMU football team and other matters concerning the college football landscape. It's Taylor DeSormo. I'm the sports editor at CM Life. Right next to me here is my buddy Dom. He's a football beat reporter for the Central Michigan University. Chippewas, Dom, how's it going today? It's going, man. It's uh, all kinds of enlightening information uh, we were able to see last week, and I think that's what we're going to talk about, right? Definitely. We finally have one week under our belt. We aren't speculating about spring football games or practices or any of that anymore. Now we have some official data we can look at. Um, I guess looking back at the Oklahoma State game, it was a 24-13 loss. Um, you think Bonamiga went home smiling after the game? Well, he did, and anyone that watched that game, and a national television audience did on ESPNU and then the traditional ESPN3, um, saw that smile, as you referred to, on Bonamigo's face. Um, it was an emotional night for him. He said that. I think it kind of goes without saying. Um, outside of everything that happened in the offseason um, with his cancer diagnosis and some of the other storylines surrounding this team, um, it was going to be an emotional night for Bonamigo, who for the longest time has called uh, the CMU head coaching job his dream job. So that just on its face was going to make um, last Thursday night that much more special uh, for, for CMU's head coach. And it ended up being a, a dynamic game. And I think if you thought that emotion wasn't a part of what we saw there, then you weren't watching the same game I was because it was almost solely um, based on some of the energy that Bonamigo um, and the fan base created. Definitely. So you talked to a couple guys um, from the, the media in the area for a roundtable you did, is that correct? That's right. And so um, you talked to Jim Costa, you talked to Nate Schneider, and then also um, Don Chiaito from, from the radio about some of the things that happened in the game, kind of get some of their opinions. Um, talk about what they thought of it, um, some, of the, some of the things you guys went over. The general consensus is that there were a lot of things that were pleasantly surprising about the way CMU played, um, but there's still a lot of room for improvement. You know, you hear coaches say that around the country every year, every week, you know, we got to get better, we got to be better than we were before. Um, but CMU took a larger step forward last week in their first game than I think most people expected them to. I mean, Oklahoma State's a good team. And Oklahoma State might be one of the better teams that they play this year. Yeah. Um, so for them to make, to come out of the gate and to make the stride that they did um, right out of the gate is just, it's something to be cautiously optimistic about because, I mean, this team is going to get better. We know that. Every team does get better, usually. Um, it's just a matter of how much they're going to get better on a week-to-week basis. Now they've got a game this weekend against uh, an FCS school in Monmouth. Um, who knows what's going to happen? You know, it's a game that on paper you look at they should have win, but if you looked at the game last week on paper, I mean, most people were predicting it to be a 30- to 40-point blowout, and it was the opposite of that. I mean, it was a four-point four game going into the fourth quarter. So um, the general consensus is that CMU played a lot better than most expected to, and perhaps Oklahoma State was a little rusty to start the year, too. Yeah, no doubt. I was talking to a buddy of mine who's an offensive lineman in high school, and he was at the game in the front row, and he talked about how it looked like Cooper Rush had no time to throw, that the defensive line was really getting in there and, and making him him throw faster than he wanted to. I mean, granted, they had a potential first-round pick on that defensive line for Oklahoma State, but what do you think of CMU's offensive line play? Do you think that's something to be worried about, or is it just because it's Oklahoma State and they have a good defensive line? It's interesting you bring up Emmanuel Ogba there, a projected first-rounder in the NFL draft next year. You know, I didn't think he had a great game, um, perhaps. You know, when I've read different places that he has 
sort of a habit of maybe taking games against smaller schools or less serious games outside of the conference for them, not quite as seriously. Um, but OSU was still extremely skilled and extremely quick up front, and that's probably what gave Martez Walker and Devon Spalding, the CMU running backs, um, trouble trying to get anything going uh, when, in terms of running the ball. That was CMU's, I think, most obvious glaring problem um, in that game. And ultimately, if they run for even two or 300 yards, um, CMU has a shot at winning that game. I mean, they did, and they didn't do well anyway. So um, as far as the offensive line goes for CMU, I, I don't think that'll be any, any major problems. I mean, that's an experienced group. Uh, the CMU offensive line historically in the, over the last 10, 15 years has been among the best in the MAC every year. Um, I, I even asked Martez Walker about that on, on Tuesday when we spoke about, you know, w- were there problems opening up holes? No, he said, no, it's on us, man. It's, it's on the running backs. We've got to be able to carry the load because the holes are there. I mean, obviously we saw Cooper Rush, who ended up being CMU's leading rusher, no pun intended there. Um, he obviously had holes to run. So it, it was very odd to me that they couldn't get really anything going in the run game. Um, I don't think that'll last because fundamentally, um, CMU said, or, I'm sorry, John Bonamigo said that he wants CMU's identity to be as a running team. Um, what happened on Thursday is, is definitely not that. Yeah, that's for sure. Also, an offensive lineman, Kenny Rogers. There's an injury there. Did you get to talk about that with Bonamigo at all yesterday? You know, I, I asked if anybody was hurt, and he said no, nobody's going to be gone for any significant amount of time. Um, on that same injury front, Blake Serpa, it sounds like we'll, we will see him in action this weekend. You know, he's been nursing a hamstring injury. Bonamigo did say his playing time would be somewhat limited, not surprising against, you know, a small should-win game. Mm. Um, but it sounds like they are trying to sort of bring him back up to speed by the time they have to go to Syracuse and then, of course, Michigan State the next week. Yes, no doubt. And Serpa's that defensive end that, that probably is one of the leaders on that Chippewa defense. So it'll be, it'll be definitely good for the Chippewas to have him back this week. And they played great, you know, considering Serpa was out of the game. Joe Osman had a big, couple of big plays. Jabari Dean up front. I mean, the CMU defense as a whole, when, when I chatted with, you know, with the different media members during the roundtable, um, overwhelmingly the sense was that the CMU defense really uh, stood up, especially when it, comes, when it came to open field tackling, um, guarding the Oklahoma State receivers deep down the field. I mean, it really, that was, especially to me, you know, the most surprising aspect of, of Thursday night's game. No doubt. Looking forward to Monmouth this weekend. Obviously, last weekend the Chippewas were heavy underdogs. Now they're going to be heavy favorites. Um, what are you expecting out of this team? Um, are you expecting a blowout? What should Chippewa fans look for? CMU should definitely control the game. Whether or not it leads to a blowout is um, is different. Um, it'll be a, a very... If I'm CMU, I'm looking to play a very fundamentally sound game because there are a lot of intangibles and a lot of crazy plays. Cooper Rush ends up having to scurry around for a touchdown. Um, that's what kept you close against Oklahoma State. Um, I mean, CMU, would we say, is 10-1 and in their last 11 games against FCS schools. So, again, on paper, if you take care of business, you know, if they play half as good as they did against Oklahoma State, they should be able to walk away with a two- or three-touchdown victory um, against Monmouth. I'm not sure if you consider that a blowout. Um, but the fundamentals have to be there for CMU. They have got to pound the ball. They've got to hit the open receivers. Um, Cooper really couldn't have played a better game um, against against Oklahoma State. He threw the one interception early on, um, but I don't foresee them having any issues on offense. And on defense, I mean, Monmouth really struggled on offense against Holy Cross. So, um, yeah, that's right. They lost to Holy Cross. It, it's just it's going to be pivotal for CMU to get what we call, you know, that confidence-gaining win 
um, as they attempt to go on the road for the first time against Syracuse a week later. Yes, so um, CMU, you put together a graphic for um, for the paper talking about CMU versus FCS schools, and FCS schools um, are formerly known as Division One AA, but um, they're, they're a division lower. You can play one of them a year, is that correct? Correct. And then, um, so last year was against Chattanooga. They won only by four, escaped. Two years ago was against New Hampshire. They won by three. Another escape. That was Cooper Rush's first It was the emergence first game. of Cooper Rush, yeah. Exactly. And then three years ago, Southeast Missouri State was only an 11-point victory. How do Chippewas, the Chippewa fans know that it's not going to be another nail-biter? Well, I guess you, you never really know. Um, but again, I think if you look at the way CMU played in their opener and then put it against what Monmouth was able to do in their first game, I mean, there's the saying, any given Saturday, any team can beat any other team. Um, but I'm just I'm not sure that I buy that when it comes to, especially in college football, where, I mean, the overriding, the most obvious thing is when, you know, they line up at the line of scrimmage and the CMU guys are going to have, you know, a foot and a half in terms of height on some of these guys or maybe 50 pounds when yeah. it comes to, you know, size and strength. So um, I think there's a bigger gap between some of these FCS schools and a school like CMU or Eastern Michigan or Kent, for example, and or Marshall um, and, and other conferences. Then there is, say, Michigan State and CMU or, you know, Michigan and whoever else. I mean, the, the gap between, again, formerly 1AA and Division One FBS teams and that next level of Power 5, that, that dichotomy is much larger. Yep. Also, you have to look. There's they have rankings in the FCS, just like how they do in the FBS. Right. Chattanooga and New Hampshire the past two years have been in the, I think in the top ten. Really good. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we we've played some of when we have played the FCS um, schools. They've been some of the better ones. Uh, Monmouth is not not what's going on with Monmouth. No, so. Monmouth I think was below 500 in their own division last year, whereas Chattanooga and New Hampshire were top ten in the in the nation in theirs. So. Their division, which was founded originally in 1984, I might add. Yeah, so. and Monmouth hasn't even been playing football that long. No, they haven't. I think their inaugural season was 93 or 4 or something. Yeah. I mean, it's a really new program. Um, I was reading in, in the little paper that covers that team every once in a while. It's um, it's the, Their problems are larger than football there. They've got an athletic department that's really kind of struggling for money and whatnot. So um, it would be a really tough loss for CMU if it were to happen that way. Yeah. Last CMU loss to an FCS school was? 2009, I would say? Seven. 2007, Seven. yep. 44-14 oh, yeah. to 14 in North Dakota State. Yeah, that was a weird year. That was the year that they lost only one conference game, and they ended up winning the MAC that year. Um, the one conference game they lost was to Eastern Michigan. Oh, boy. So they lost to an FCS school and EMU, but went on to win the MAC. So that just shows you how silly some of these games can be during the year. No doubt. So what's your prediction, Dom? Oh, geez. Um, Put you in the spot. did this last week, and I was, like a lot of people, horribly wrong about how CMU would perform. CMU should win this game, and they should win it pretty handily. I'm going to go CMU 31, Monmouth 10. 31 to 10. Looking at the schedule ahead, obviously we have Monmouth this weekend. When's the next time you think the Chippewas will be the favored team? Oh, wow. That is an interesting question. I, I would say just based on uh, – some of that's going to have to be based on how other teams play. Um, I still – well, well, I don't think, think that this is correct. I think Syracuse will still be the favorite heading into the game against CMU um, just based on schedule and based on the respect that the Power 5 schools always get. Yep. Um NIU has, I mean, they got a huge win last week. 
um, and Western played MSU real tough. You're probably looking at that Buffalo game as the next one that CMU at home. October 17th. October 17th. You know, who knows? Buffalo will probably lose a couple games between then. We will probably have lost a couple games too. Yep. Um, so if you're looking at a game where you can go in as a favorite, after um, after this week against Monmouth, I'm not sure that happens again until that week. So you'd recommend fans come out Saturday? Absolutely. I'm going to pull a John Bonamigo here and okay. say, you know, with your help, we are going to be a great team now. Um, the atmosphere on Thursday was evident. I mean, it was only 19,000 people, and I say only because it felt like a lot more than that. I mean, I really do think that if that rain stops three or four hours beforehand, I mean, it didn't rain a drop during the game, thankfully, for, for those that were there. But and probably thankfully for CMU, too, that was able to get some trick plays going and able to spread the field more than I think many expected. Um I think we could, we could potentially have a pretty darn big crowd because it's an expected win. Again, like you said, we're favored. Um, CMU, it's going to be a, the true tailgating Saturday afternoon experience, a 3 o'clock kickoff. So um, we, could, we could get in the neighborhood of 20,000, 21,000 people if, if CMU fans show, show up. Yep. So after that, we got a couple road games. Yeah. And then back homecoming October 3rd against Northern Illinois, and that'll kick off the max season. And depending on what the schedule is like, that could be another big crowd too. No doubt. So that's kind of looking ahead at the Chippewa schedule. Definitely some some tough tough games coming up between Syracuse, Michigan State, NIU, and Western. Um, looking more at the team right now, we talked a little bit about the defensive line, Blake Serpa coming back. What about those cornerbacks? We were nervous about how those freshmen would do coming into, um, well, I guess not just freshmen, but new guys, n- new starters on the in the corner cornerback secondary. Right. How would you evaluate them? Well, it was again a very it was an intriguing um, display. Their, their ability to cover down the field um, w- was pretty solid overall. I would argue that Oklahoma State didn't exactly push things. They were more in the business of trying to get that 10-yard play, you know, trying to get the first down and then you know, bringing J.W. Walsh in the red zone to get the touchdown back and take the lead back there. So um, I'm not sure that things really were spread out against CMU as, as well as they would be maybe against Michigan State or even Syracuse at this point. Um, but overall, they played well. The thing that I was extremely impressed with was the open field tackling. I mean, that's what people say. I mean, Kayvon Frazier had 13, including an emphatic one on, on special teams coverage. Yes. Josh Cox had a great game. I mean, some of these, as, as we've referred to them, inexperienced, um, not maybe used to full game action and full reps during a game players, they played well against Oklahoma State. And for them especially, for the running backs and then for the secondary, um, this weekend is a chance to really gain some confidence and uh, pick up some steam because they're going to need it going into Syracuse and Michigan State. Yeah, no doubt. And Kayvon was actually named the MAC Defensive Player of the Week this week. He said 13 tackles. It's an obvious choice. Yep. And 11 solo. 11 solo tackles. And it was the kind of performance that they're going to need every single week from at least one person. And, again, to, to win – against Western and NIU later in the year. They're going to need that kind of performance from more than one guy to, um, to do that. And I would argue that they got that last week out of Josh Cox, too. And he's wearing that number um, – Frazier's wearing that 21 yeah. this week, right? That's right. He's wearing the honorary rotating Derek, uh, Derek Nash legacy jersey. Um, Bonamigo said that he, the plan is on a week-to-week basis for that to be largely performance-based. I mean, if it is, then Frazier was the obvious choice. Um We'll see. I, I, I think it's a nice touch, especially for the older players that knew Derek and, you know, obviously a secondary, secondary guy. That's yeah. the second week in a row that we've had someone in the defensive secondary wear that jersey. So 
Um, it was a nice touch, and it'll probably make for an inspired performance for the defense as a whole. Yep. And Stefan Armstead had that jersey on last week. He's a senior yeah. this year as well. Um, I was reading you have a, a football kind of preview uh, notebook thing here on CM. <laughs> yeah, whatever that now. is. Yep. Something like that. And you were talking about Bonamigo and drinking Gatorade. What, what was that about? Yeah, apparently he was able to get solid food down earlier this week for the first time. He said he ate a chicken wing. Um, still couldn't taste it, but the fact that he was able to get it down um, was uh, was a big deal for him. Um he also was able to drink Gatorade at practice, which is, he said he, he couldn't taste, um, but it didn't burn. So he'll take the two double negatives, and uh, it's, it's a slow progress when it comes to Bonamigo's uh, recovery from his radiation and chemotherapy treatment. Um, it's got to just be a, a, a terrible, um, excruciating feeling to – I mean, he mentioned that you know when his kids would get pizza, he would – be so jealous because he wants to be able to taste it. He wants to be able to just sort of eat and drink normally. And obviously that's not the case when you've gone through what he's gone through. But um, it sounds like he's taking small steps towards, you know, being back to relative normal. Yeah. And I, I think um, you could tell he was pretty tired after the game Thursday. And obviously he, he did a lot, put a lot of work in, but still was able to talk to us. How do you think he's been looking? Um, has he been progressing? Yeah, and that? he does look better than, than he did, I would say, after you know that last radiation treatment, CMU Football Media Day. I mean, there were, there were times where it was rough. You know, you could see the abrasions on his neck, and his energy level was down. He was getting thinner and more pale. I mean, all the things that happen yeah. when you go through that kind of treatment. Um, but slowly, you know, maybe it's just the fact that he's around a football team that's actually active and ready to go now I mean there, there's something to be said for the intangibles of, of a way a person carries himself and the energy that someone can get from others and, and I think that there is some of that at work here with Bonamigo yep definitely speaking of Bonamigo he he had a tweet out the other day about one Thomas Rawls yeah man. tell me about that yeah Thomas um has been really been doing a great job um with, with the NFL and CLC Hawks made their roster. And you know, that, that's something that a lot of Chippewa fans can be proud of, even in the greater context of Thomas Rawls, who, you know, for all intents and purposes, wasn't a Chippewa until the very last moment in his career. It, it's just so interesting to me that, you know, Thomas Rawls came to CMU for the sole purpose of, well, trying to help us win, he claimed, and then we wanted to go to the NFL. And here he is. I mean, he accomplished that goal. And to me, that's incredible just because it was mission accomplished in the sense that CMU went to a bowl game. Maybe they didn't win the MAC, um, but they went to a bowl game and they had a basically pretty successful season. Um, and then Rawls ended up um, accomplishing his individual goal of, uh, of making an NFL roster. So he's out there now. Yeah, no doubt. So he made that final 53-man roster, which was, I think Saturday was the final yep. release. And then um, one other Chippewa from last year's team also made the team. That's right. Terry Walton. Terry Walton, the Steelers. That's right. And, and it, that, to me, is almost an even greater accomplishment in the sense that, you know, defensive linemen, especially in Pittsburgh, man, the standard is so high for what that defense is going to do and what a nose tackle can be. I mean, to be an NFL nose tackle, I mean, you've got to be strong. You've got to be quick. You've got to be smart. You've got to have a good football, you know, IQ, as they say. And I believe that Latarius has those qualities. Um how much he plays will probably depend on the health of that roster and what, what else goes on there with in terms of the schedule and whatnot in Pittsburgh. Um, but nevertheless, something for CMU fans to be proud of. Yeah, you never know with six-round picks. They could be out of the league in a year or they could be starting in, what was Tom Brady, seventh-round yeah, pick? Yeah, so. he was later in the draft, that's for sure. Speaking of Tom Brady, I think the Steelers and 
Patriots open up Thursday. That's right, yeah, it's opening season. So, yeah, well, maybe we'll see Latarius Walton in that opener. Oh, wouldn't it be great to watch Latarius sack Tom Brady? Oh, that would be that would be great. Everybody would love that. <laughs> so that's those are the two uh, Chippewas in the NFL um, from last year's squad. I think there's 10 total yep. on the team. But um be interesting to see how they do in this coming, this coming opening week. And um, also Chippewas, 3 p.m. Saturday against Monmouth. Head out to Kelly Shorts Stadium, see how they do, see... Hopefully, John Bonamigo's first win as CMU's head coach. Very likely, I would say. And that's about it for us here with the Gridiron Guys. Uh, thank you, and tune in next week. You can follow the latest from CM Life by liking us on Facebook, following us on Twitter, Instagram, and Snapchat. Download our app and subscribe to CM Life Podcast channel on iTunes. The print edition of CM Life is published Monday and Thursday and is distributed throughout campus and Mount Pleasant. Thank you for listening and supporting CM Life Student Media.